What a fantastic piece of television that is. If you're anything like me, your hairs on your arms will be stood up right now. Something, some goosebumps feeling. Uh, I've seen that clip multiple times uh, from the TV show The West Wing. And uh, every time I see it, something within me shakes and tingles. I'm like, that is incredible acting. Um, but that clip for me isn't just a brilliant piece of television. Uh, that clip, actually, every time I see that, something within me is saddened. Something within me is, is, is a bit hurt. Something within me is um, a bit shocked. You see, uh, my family, we, we have a bit of a history of uh, alcoholism. So there's been two uh, people in the last kind of three or four generations who have taken their own lives uh, due to struggles with alcohol addiction. And I've seen the impact that that has on people. I've seen the impact that obviously the power of alcohol addiction has on that person, but also on the friends, the family, all that sort of stuff. I see people in the streets who are sleeping homeless and struggle with alcohol and drug addiction. Uh, I, see that, I see this quite commonly addiction is a thing. And it can't just be because people are weak. It can't just be because people really just like a drink. As that character, Liam McGarry, described himself, my brain works differently. Uh, this isn't just people's ability to say no to something or yes to something. Stuff like this addiction, the power of that, the impact that has on people's lives, uh, that leads me to believe that there are some things uh, in our lives that are more than meets the eye, aren't they? And we can't just dismiss things like that, and we can't just dismiss the, the evil things that we see daily on our television screens, in our newspapers, in our news feeds on our BBC News apps, I think we have to realise that there are some real spiritual battles that take place every single day in our lives and in our world. This talk today uh, is a worldview reshaper. It's not a heart stirrer, it's not a soul stirrer, it's not nice and fluffy, it's not going to feel good, it's not going to make you think that Jesus loves you. But it's important, it's crucial to get this right. So come with me, we'll pause a bit, we'll think You'll definitely disagree with me at some point. I think I know which moment that will be. And hopefully we'll laugh a little bit. But let's be open. Let's be ready. Let's be okay with not getting all of this straight away. Let's be okay with this being a bit head-hurting, a bit confusing, a bit difficult at first. This concept that we're talking about today is crucial to understanding who our God is, what his name is, and why it even matters that God has a name. Let's pray. So God, Yahweh... We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are here through your Holy Spirit, through your presence. And God, as we look at today at things of evil, at things of spiritual battle, as we think about some things that can jar us, can confuse us, God, I pray that your truth and your clarity would be the thing that really resonates in this room, that we would know you more and know more of who you are to us. Amen. So this Thursday, I finally got around to uh, watching Avengers Endgame. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it, don't worry. But it was really hard for me, being three weeks late to seeing this film, to avoid spoilers uh, for Avengers. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, just rife with spoilers and references that I didn't understand. Um, I was in a coffee shop the other week, and two people sat on a table next to me uh, started talking about the plot of Avengers, so I just had to leave the coffee shop. Um, <laughs> half, half drunk latte. Um, even YouTube, because I watched the Avengers trailer like six months ago, suggests me Avengers videos, like 20 OMG moments you may have missed in Avengers. And I think, well, I have missed it because I've not seen the film yet. Everything is trying to make me be spoiled of this film. And our spoilers, there's a lot of anger about this in our culture at the moment. Uh, the other TV show I've been watching recently has been Game of Thrones. And it's often uh, this kind of thing about don't spoil it to the English people who've watched it because America watched it a day early and all this sort of stuff. Spoilers is everywhere and we don't really like them. But today we're going to get right into our talk with a big old spoiler. There are many gods out there and not all of them are good. Our God, Yahweh, as we heard from Luke last week, 
is the creator God and the big boss. Spoiler alert, he wins in the end, but he's not the only God out there. This is a moment where if I wasn't worried about breaking the microphone, I would drop it. Let's just let that sink in a little bit. Let's just sit with that. There are many gods. Not all of them are good. So, we're going to spend the next 25 minutes unpacking this. We're going to look at these small g gods, what they do, who they are, and why all of this means it matters that our God has a name. So, these other fellows are called Elohim. So today's talk, we're calling it Meet the Elohim. So Elohim are created spiritual beings. The word Elohim is used multiple times in the Bible to describe different spiritual beings. And it's like a kind of a category of them, a category of spiritual beings. So it includes angels, demons, false gods, and the three persons of Yahweh. That is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as Luke mentioned last week. So Yahweh Elohim is the God that we worship and serve as Christians. He's the creator God who made the universe and spoke it all into being. He's a chief of the Elohim. No of us compare to him because he is ruler and creator of all things. He's the Elohim above all Elohim. In the same way that football fans here will know that Lionel Messi is a footballer above all footballers. And it's important to, to know this, that as we start, that in this context there being many gods, that Yahweh is the Elohim above all Elohim. He's, a, he's on top. He's in his own other league. He's a big boss. But we've got to remember that. So don't think I'm speaking blasphemy or something heretical. This is probably the point where you're disagreeing with me. So we're unpacking today why God has a name, why it matters that God has a name. It matters because there are these other gods with a small g out there. We're kidding ourselves if we read scripture, if we live lives in a world full of evil and broken things, and we say that there are not other beings out there. We can't wrap ourselves in cotton wool and pretend there are not. Pretend there are not. Don't believe me? Let's get into it. So Deuteronomy 6, we read Moses speaking to the people of Israel. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. In Psalm 96, we read, For great is the Lord Yahweh, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord Yahweh made the heavens. The, the word Elohim, the category Elohim, uh, is mentioned 2,750 times uh, in the Hebrew Old Testament alone. So it comes up quite a lot in that context of there being these other spiritual beings out there. We don't talk about it a lot today, but it doesn't mean it's not true. Even in the Ten Commandments, the original instructions on Christian living straight from Yahweh himself, the second commandment to the people of Israel uh, says, you shall have no other gods before me. There are other spirit, small gods out there, small G gods, and they're up to something. Walking the Christian journey of working out what it means to discover and follow Jesus and not encountering somewhere along the way in yourself or in others in the world around you some element of confusion, of doubt, struggle, temptation, problem, attack at some point you, and you're not encountering that probably means we're doing it wrong. Walking the Christian journey of working out what it means to discover and follow Jesus and reducing the concept of spiritual beings to a stereotypical image of a good buff blonde Scandinavian angel on one shoulder and a dark demonic figure with horns and a pitchfork on the other is to totally misunderstand the concept of spiritual being. But this is so often how we think of it in, in our culture. But even in the church, I think we close ourselves off to this. The reality is it is far more complicated and confusing than good angel, bad demon, do good things, do bad things. 
So these other Elohim are created spiritual beings. They have power. They can influence people and events. And we see them frequently throughout the Bible. And I would say still at play in our world today. Remember that opening story, that example of how the grip that addictions can hold on people. We're going to hear some more stories from Scripture. We're going to hear some more stories from the world today to kind of outline this. But I think we need to recognize as we start these other gods have power. And we don't want to misunderstand this. We want to realize that they have an impact. Let's look at some diagrams together because that's always fun to do, isn't it? So these diagrams behind us, uh, you can't read that because it's really bright. But in the top right, it says monotheism done wrong. So... This basically is a kind of a summary of, of a worldview called monotheism. There are other worldviews besides uh, monotheism. So atheism here would have nothing. It would just have humanity, no gods. Uh, polytheism would say loads and loads of different gods that all can be the right way. Uh, universalism would say all gods are going the same, same place. Uh, monotheism, which is what Christianity would be, um, would say that there is one God, Yahweh, but there are other gods that exist. Hence why these guys here. So monotheism done wrong has God at the top of a mountain that we can get to, and there are false gods that will all lead you astray and are all are bad. So Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, spiritualism, etc., etc. Those things aren't inherently good or evil. They're just there. They just exist. They're all different paths up different mountains that claim to be the way to God. But the reality is at the top of all these mountains is the one true creator God. Next slide, please. Yahweh Elohim, who is not just bigger and better, but he's in a totally different category. And crucially, monotheism done right, there isn't a path up his mountain. He himself comes down the mountain. As a carpenting, miracle-working, healing, redeeming, and freeing rabbi in Galilee 2,000 years ago, here to rescue and save the world, to defeat rebellion against God from humans and spiritual beings, Elohim. Jesus Christ, our human and divine partnership, sent to rescue and redeem humanity and the world. Jesus is Yahweh, come to us. Come down the mountain to, to, to meet with us, as opposed to saying, come and find me, as opposed to hiding himself away, can come hunt after me. And I don't need to tell you that not everyone uh, is on Team Jesus. Not everyone will agree with this. Not everyone is happy clappy at G2 every Sunday. People even here, you probably won't agree with everything we're talking about. We'll have friends and family who won't agree with uh, Christianity, who won't agree that Jesus uh, is who he says he was. Not all humans would agree. Not all spiritual beings out there would agree. You see, we live in a world where all people and all spiritual beings uh, have free will. We're not forced or condemned to think anything, believe anything. We're free to go where we like, meet who we like, chat to who we like, work where we like, study where we like, uh, date who we like, eat what we like, whatever we want. We've got free will. Sounds great. Sounds lovely. We can all just have fun, can't we? We can all crack on. But when we unpack uh, just who it is that has free will, uh, we can see there are a lot of different wills in our world. So we've got Yahweh's will, we've got my will, we've got my friend's will, my neighbor's will, your will, 7.4 billion people's will, nature's will, my least favorite one, Satan and his demonic armada's will. All of these wills living in Yahweh's good and free world. That is one big old will convention, isn't it? And some of these wills obviously are going to be choosing to live under the life-giving, freeing authority of Yahweh, and some are living in flat rebellion and some more will be on any given point in the sliding scale in between. So it's not all rose in the garden, is it? And it's not the case, just to point out, that Yahweh's will, which is, again, brightened out in the top corner, make of that what you will, um, is on an even playing field uh, with the others. So it's not the case that he's got a weaker one or a, or a less good one. 
Uh, you see, the world in which we live, the universe in which we live, uh, Yahweh, God, the creator God, has created a universe in which the highest value uh, in our universe is love. And for, something, for true love to exist, it demands a choice. And choice demands freedom. So God limits, uh, Yahweh limits his overwhelming capacity and power to override any will stacked against him in order to create space for real and genuine freedom for all created beings, human or non-human. It wouldn't be love if you forced someone into believing in Jesus. It wouldn't be love if you forced somebody to behave a certain way, act a certain way. Freedom gives people the choice to say yes, the choice to say no, the choice to say you're good, not for me. And in this context, uh, evil, I would say, is the byproduct of the freedom that's inbuilt into our universe. Our God is incredibly good, but the world that we live in is a terrifyingly dangerous, free, and still beautiful place to live in. In all this, earth is a site of a war between so many different wills. So of course it's going to be evil. The writers of scripture wrote in a context, assuming the universe was full of real spiritual beings with some degree of power. So that was their answer to the problem of evil. They would say, well, of course it exists. The ancient near Middle East, they believed that Elohim were out there. They believed in spiritual beings. So evil was explained by that. But we've kind of lost that biblical worldview somewhere along the way. So we've lost, I think, the biblical response to the problem of evil. And we've reduced it to that good angel one shoulder, bad demon on the other shoulder. But you've got to understand it's complicated and it's messy and there's competition taking place in spiritual contexts. And yes, Jesus has won the victory, but we're not at the end game yet, are we? Um, That was accidental. Um, So these Elohim are real and they're alive and they have power both in biblical times and today. But that doesn't mean that every single thing that goes wrong in our world is an evil spirit, is an evil being. Um, Quite often you'll hear in Christian circles the phrase uh, spiritual attack or I feel under attack. Um, It's important to note this is is a real and significant uh, thing. It can seriously feel oppressive and overwhelming to people uh, to feel under attack. Uh, But I had someone a few years ago, a student who's not not at G2, is at another place, so I'm okay to say this story. Uh, tell me that they felt really under a spiritual attack. They felt like the devil and like his satanic armada were just beating down on them for their exam the next day. They were really stressed out. They were sort of, I'm just really underprepared and it's just the devil's attacking me. I'm under spiritual attack. And I said, oh, how many hours of revision have you done? They said, well, I haven't actually done any revision yet. I was just going to cram it the night before. And I thought, that isn't spiritual attack. You're just disorganized, aren't you? You're just lazy, let's be honest. And I think quite often we need to be, be, be okay with saying that and admitting that, that not every single bad thing that happens is going to be a spiritual attack. Let's not over-spiritualize. Let's not go too far the other way. But like I said, of course, the idea of spiritual attack is a real one. Of course, we can relate to that. I think today, uh, the all-too-present spectrum of mental health that grips and condemns so many people often feels like an attack. When someone is gripped by anxious thoughts and feelings, extreme physical reactions, depressive moods, uh, people can feel seriously undermined in who they are. And often people will begin feeling like the enemy they're fighting is their own soul. Of course, to me, that is spiritual attack. Of course, that to me, that could be something more, beh- more behind that. More of this Elohim acting to undermine people, to mislead people, to distract people away from the attention of worshipping Yahweh. So, not all bad things are spiritual attacks. And bad things happening in the world doesn't mean that Yahweh's having a day off. He's not gone to Costa del Sol for a week. He's still here. Instead, we're called to grieve, to lament, to mourn, to let God meet us in our pain, 
Let Jesus lead us on in his quest to turn evil around for good. And above all, we need to remember that in the end, Jesus will return to end evil once and for all. I heard it said uh, that at the moment, it's like we're living after D-Day, but we're waiting for VE Day, which is very cheesy. But it's a good illustration of thinking like we're in a world where Jesus has won the victory, but we are still in a world, aren't we, where there's evil, where there's struggle, where there's contesting worldviews, where there's spiritual battles that are happening. So let's remember there is one creator God, one supreme Elohim, and his name is Yahweh. He made the universe, spoke it all into existence. That God, Yahweh, the God that we serve, the God that we follow as Christians, is all-powerful and all-knowing, and he needs a name because there are many lesser created gods, small g, but only one Yahweh. Some of these lesser created gods, small g, serve God, serve Yahweh in his will. Some of them rebel, keeping up. But Yahweh Elohim calls us to worship him and him alone. Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. Love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Yahweh Elohim invites us into a relationship in which we are devoted to him. That we're not giving our attention to other gods. We're not giving our attention to other idols. We're not giving our attention to things that will unfulfill us. That will lead us up mountains that go nowhere. We're not, we're not called. We're not permitted. We're not allowed to partner with other stuff that will mislead us or distract us or deceive us. We're called into a relationship with the one true God who knows every single detail about your life who is for you and with you and not against you. And as we saw with this idea of these competing wills, there's a battle going on. There's a conflict going on. Elohim themselves, these spiritual beings, some of them will be on God's side, some of them won't be. They're in conflict with each other. There's a story in the Bible, uh, Daniel 10, which we'll read together from, from, from the screen behind us, which speaks of a mystery angelic figure who visits Daniel in a dream. I'll read it to us now. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, Yahweh, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now we see a conflict there between Elohim and just to point out, uh, there is no connection here between the Elohim and the Jake Gyllenhaal, Prince of Persia film in 2010, which was a great film, by the way. It's on Netflix. You can enjoy that. But I think it's interesting that there are Elohim, the Prince of the Persian Kingdom, linked to a specific uh, geographic area. I think it's interesting that even in the world today, we've seen uh, fighting over religion in the Middle East, uh, raging for centuries and centuries and centuries. In, in, our, in our lifetimes, most of us will probably think of it uh, along the lines of Israel and Palestine. We'll think of the war on terror and George Bush. But this has been going on for 800, 700 years, fighting over religion. Could that be an Elohim? Could there be a spiritual being that is affecting that? I don't know. I, I can't prove it to you. There's a, a square mile radius in America, 25 square miles, where four of the worst mass shootings in American history have happened, including the Columbine uh, school shooting and the Aurora Cinema shooting in Colorado. Could it be there's a demonic being behind all that? I don't know. Coincidence? Maybe. Maybe there is this demonic being up to no good. We have to be okay with considering this, opening ourselves up to this. Let's have some more stories. And for this first story, I'm going to need a volunteer to come and join me up at the front. Just one person. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to embarrass myself. So one volunteer, please come and join me. Come on, Holly. Well done. Little ripple for Holly. Ripple. Golf. There we go. Golf course. Very good. That's golf course. That's good. Okay. So, Holly, if you want to stand here. And uh, this story is taken from a trip I had to Hungary. 
uh, two years ago, where I joined in uh, with a kind of a student student organisation that was meeting there, like a, a group bit like this, but just students all worshiping Jesus, uh, all kind of praying and doing worship events. And uh, I was part of this worship and prayer team, so I was praying for people. And uh, as part of this uh, event, we were encouraged during the worship uh, just to go and like pray for people, put our hands on their shoulders. Uh, and just sort of say, you know, come Holy Spirit, bless this person. You know, not like nothing long or whatever. So uh, in our story now, Holly is going to uh, be me. And I'm going to be a Hungarian woman who I, two years ago, put my hand on to pray. So. That actually happened to me two years ago. So for those of you that couldn't see, thank you very much, Holly. You can sit down now. Uh, what happened was I prayed... <laughs> I prayed, for, I prayed for this girl, put my hand on her shoulder, literally just like that, and she just hit the deck and started snaking around like a snake. That's what I was trying to do, but my knees got stuck. Um, <laughs> and then I was there, like, as you would, I was absolutely freaking out. I was like, there's this woman on the floor, been a snake. What have I done? What? Do I smell? I don't know. And then um, someone from our team, some more, more, more experienced, came over to me and went... Ah, uh, classic, classic spirit of witchcraft, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, spirit of witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was my next, that was my next guess. Um, and then this, this person on my team uh, prayed for this girl and uh, led her in like prayer for repentance, saying sorry for things that she'd done, uh, saying sorry for stuff that she'd been involved with in witchcraft. And it turned out that this snaky girl uh, had grown up in a witch's coven, whatever that means. So she'd grown up in, in an environment where she was making curses, she was involved in rituals uh, that was calling on the power of Satan, that was calling on the power of witches, uh, praying curses on other people. And um, she'd been involved with some serious stuff, some seriously dark things that had really affected her and really afflicted her uh, mind and, and, and the way that she, she lived and the way that she fought. Pretty weird stuff, isn't it? Pretty out there, some of this stuff. Now, I don't want to freak us out too much, but w- would you like some more stories of this? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, cool. So when I was six, um, my parents wouldn't let me get Pokemon cards because they were worried that Pokemon was anti-Christian, that Pikachu, Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle um, were all set up by some weird Japanese conspiracy um, to kind of down the Christian West. They were invented for satanic worship to mislead American and British impressionable young children like myself. And I remember having arguments with my parents. So, These Pokemon, they can't be demons. Look at Pikachu. He's so cuddly. Pika Pika. It can't be demonic. But my parents were like, no, 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 no. Eventually they did come around to it. And I was all good. I was allowed to play a Pokemon. But also, uh, I grew up in, in a church in which the, the church leader there, the pastor, uh, wouldn't, was really against Harry Potter. So he was really, really against Harry Potter. And he said, Harry Potter is demonic. Harry Potter is from the pits of hell. And he hated it, and he was really aggressive. He once had a massive go at my mum for taking me and my brother to go and see the film, uh, the I think, Goblet of Fire in the cinema. He was like, how dare you expose your children to that stuff, to that witchcraft. Um, and, and some of that, you hear that, that sounds pretty excessive, doesn't it? It sounds pretty out there. It sounds like the sort of stuff you hear from like supremely like far-right conservative America. But at the same time, I think in our society today, uh, there's an increasing intolerance towards people uh, who don't embrace kind of a progressive perspective. We kind of alienate people who don't subscribe to the mantra of anything goes or you do you, it's all good, everything's fine. So I think when we're like this, where everything is allowed to go, everything is allowed to happen, we become less and less aware, less and less willing to consider the idea that there might be spiritual beings out there, that there might be the impact that these Elohim things can have upon us. I think particularly in the church, 
Convincing ourselves that Elohim and spiritual beings are real in the first place is hard enough because some of us will feel like it's a challenge to the idea that there is only one God. But by denying that there are other spiritual beings and evil in this world, we lose vigilance towards some stuff that can really mess us up. And the reason that that church leader was really nervous around Harry Potter was because he'd grown up in Nigeria. And age 14, he'd uh, been to a witch doctor's house and had been cursed by a witch doctor and had loads of stuff happen to him. Had like a really bad experiences of kind of the occult and all that sort of stuff. So when he became a Christian, he'd left that. But he spent years walking out of that, trying to understand that. Uh, in that context, you can totally get why he'd be a bit sceptical about Harry Potter and the language of witchcraft, wizardry, and magic. Although it, I know it does sound far-fetched. I know it does sound uh, pretty out there for us to think that. But even today in, in our society, I think things like horoscopes sound perfectly innocent. It's perfectly nice to be told that because um, you were born in November, you're going to have a great day today. Uh, that's great. That's fine. But often that leads us down a path of thinking. It leads us into somewhere where we end up meeting with psychics and having tarot readings and getting our palms read. And a lot of that stuff really freaks people out. And it starts talking about things like death. It starts worrying people. It starts making us nervous. And I'm not saying that those things inherently are evil. I'm not saying if you've done them that you're wrong, that you should leave this church. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not judging you for one second. But I am saying those things will lead us away from worshipping Yahweh. Will lead us away from putting our attention and our gaze on him. And it can really disturb people. I had two friends uh, about 10 years ago, it would have been, uh, guys that weren't Christian, went to see the film Paranormal Activity, uh, which some of you may have seen. Um, I've not seen it, and they said to me, uh, after, I think the Wednesday after they'd seen it on a Saturday, how they'd been to see this film, and uh, they'd been up all night in like cold sweats, just like dark sweats, because they were convinced that something had followed them out of the cinema. They were convinced that there was some sort of demonic presence that was with them, even as they tried to sleep. They'd gone for a sleepover, and they couldn't sleep. They'd gone to church the next morning. They'd been prayed for. Not been to church in years, but they were convinced there was something that has happened to them. They were really freaked out. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that you're now not allowed to watch these films because automatically you become possessed by a demon. I'm not saying that. Don't worry. We're not going to go for the exorcist and put garlic on you and crosses and the power of Christ condemns you. We're not doing any of that stuff. Don't worry. But I just think we need to be aware of this. We need to be aware of the presence of these Elohim, these small G gods, these spiritual beings who may be influencing and affecting uh, what we watch and how we live. We've got to be kind of switched on to this stuff, vigilant about this stuff. There's a story that's told in a couple of Gospels, uh, the account of Jesus' life on earth. The tells of Jesus engaging in a fight with the Elohim. Uh, in Luke 8, he meets a naked, violent, schizophrenic, self-harming man who Jesus asks his name and he says to him, Legion, for we are many. That's not a normal response for someone asking your name, is it? <laughs> Hi, my name's Legion because I'm many demons. Many, many demons in me, sir. That's, that, that is not no normal. That's not right, is it? This guy, Legion, uh, that's possessed by a demon, uh, lots of demons, uh, Jesus doesn't kill him. Jesus doesn't tell him off and say, naughty man, go home, watch less paranormal activity. No, 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 no. He casts these demons out of this guy. He rebukes the, the power of the devil. He rebukes the power of evil at work in this guy. And he sets him free. And he offers the same freedom to us today and to those around us. For us today, people that we know who may be affected by real dark and tormenting thoughts, who may have had awful experiences of some stuff, or just feel under the weight of addiction, or just feel crushed by mental health and lies that are spoken over them. We'll all know those people who have been messed up by some of this stuff. So I think we need to be on our guard to it and aware of the presence of spiritual beings that can really affect people 
And again, we're not saying all bad things are spiritual beings. We're not saying all mental health conditions are spiritual beings. Of course, we're not saying that. But let's be on our guard to this. And let's also recognize the real enemy in this is never going to be another human. Jesus didn't kill this man. He didn't tell this man off, like I said. That poor guy wasn't the problem. People that are seriously addicted to alcohol, drugs, the political and religious extremists of our day, those psychics who give you palm readings on Blackpool Beach, they're not the real enemy for us. And we need to learn as Christians to distinguish uh, for ourselves and for others around us between the voice of Yahweh and the voice of Elohim that can distract us from worshipping the one true creator God. The God who made the heavens and the earth and who knows every single detail about your life and loves you through it all and in spite of it all. On the screen behind us uh, is a list of some of the ways that kind of Elohim, satanic Elohim can, can talk to us based off uh, scripture, different ways that the devil and his kind of his minions speak to people. Uh, often it will be something that rushes people, pushes people, frightens, confused, discourages, worries, obsesses, condemns. If, that, if you hear those voices, those things happen to you, if you hear someone think about that, that is not going to be from Yahweh. That's not going to be from the God whose highest value is love and calls into freedom. That's not his modus operandi. That's not how he works. How Yahweh speaks to us, it stills us. It calms us. He guides us. He reassures, enlightens us, comforts, calms, affirms, convicts us of things in our life that are leading us away from him, that are leading us astray. The real enemy that we face is uh, spiritual powers who sow evil and, and darkness. And often these work for humans, but it's not the humans themselves that we're saying are evil. Our fight is not with people. It's not with flesh and blood and bone. It's with unseen spiritual forces. Paul uh, describes it in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. He says, Be strong in the Lord Yahweh and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of Yahweh so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Again, when he's saying against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers, he's saying of this dark world. He's not saying government. He's not saying kings and queens. He's not saying people. He's saying it is against these spiritual things that are out there. So we need to be aware, don't we? as people following Jesus, as people proclaiming Yahweh as the one true creator God. We need to be aware, we need to be equipped for battle in this, to be disciplined, to stand firm with Yahweh backing us up. Yahweh is our protector. We're not fighting by ourselves for our own strength against demons. I'm not saying go out there and be like, let's have it, demons. That's not what we're saying. We're not doing it on our own. We're doing it with God, our creator, the God who knows us and loves us as our backup, as our strengthening, as our source of life and comfort and power. As this passage mentions uh, he talks about the armor of God, the armor of Yahweh. And we can sum this up quite neatly as being the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. That's the word of God, the Bible. And these are all the things that, 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 we're, that we're taught to kind of put on, if you like, that we're taught to kind of inhabit as followers of Jesus. They're, they're things that reflect the character of Jesus, the ways of God. And Paul directly links this to spiritual battle. He directs, directly links this armor to battling with spiritual beings, to battling with Elohim that are against us, that are against the will of Yahweh. So these are the things that we're choosing to put on. These are the things that we're kind of tooling up with, suiting up with, armoring up with when it comes to fighting with God. We're kind of fighting with God on our side. Sorry. So the goal here is not for us to go out there and be able to name bad things 
and identify which Elohim is responsible, to walk past something and say, oh, that, that over there, that's Elohim number four, that's number eight. That's not what we're about. The goal of this is to be aware of this stuff so that we can keep our eyes entirely on Yahweh, so that we can worship him above it all, aware of the distractions and deceptions that mislead us and mislead others around us, and say and said, there is one true creator God, and we choose to put our faith and trust in him. Just want to invite you now just to take two minutes with the people next to you, just have just have a little chat about this. Just digest this. It's meaty, it's heavy, it's confusing. It might be something you've not heard before. You might be thinking, yeah, I know it already, no problems. But just two minutes, chat with the person next to you, and then we're going to come back together. Go for it.